Let's say good morning. I guess you guys know by, <clears throat> excuse me, by now, when I say good morning, if you give me a little half-hearted, I'm going to ask you again, good morning. <laughs> it's a great day uh, to be alive. The Lord touched us with his, his finger of love, of grace and mercy, and he awakened each of us to be here today. It's in him that we live move and have our being. This is another one of those days, sometimes I just stop and pause, man, and I'm just happy to be alive. And that should be each and every day, but a lot of times we get caught up in the hustle and bustle. But this is a great day to be alive. We're going to jump right in the message because that clock moves awfully fast. And we're in Mark, the fourth chapter. We have a lot of ground to cover. 20 verses we're going to cover here in Mark. And it's beginning at the fourth chapter. And before we get started, let's bow our heads. Dear Lord, in Jesus' name, Lord, we thank you for this day. Lord, thank you for each and every person that is here in attendance today. Bless them in a special way. Lord, bless those who are not here today as well that are a part of our local body of you, the body of Christ. So now, Lord, I ask by the prompting of your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, I ask that you speak a word through me. Cause me not to speak from my flesh, but by your guidance. I ask this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. So we look here. Today in the fourth chapter, beginning at the fourth verse. And this is very well known, the parable of the sower. The parable of the sower. And our message today is simply entitled, The Question is Asked, Who Are the Few? Who are the few? So let us begin by going at verse 1. And again... He began to teach by the sea, and a great multitude was gathered to him, so that he got into a boat, sat in it on the sea, and the whole multitude was on the land facing the sea. Then he taught them many things by parables, and said to them in his teaching, listen, now as we read these verses here. I just want to stop for a moment. A parable. I had an uncle, God rest his soul, Atha L. Westbrook, who taught me in the beginning of my ministry, serving the Lord. Many years ago, roughly about 24, 25 years ago or so, he taught me that a parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. So let us remember that today. A parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. And Jesus said, listen. So it's important today that we listen. Jesus was in a serious mode here. He wasn't messing around. He said, listen. There's emphasis on this. And the Lord wants us to hear his word today. So make sure that we listen. And then he said, behold, that is to see 
take a look at what I'm saying. This was the beginning of his, his earthly ministry. He had just chosen his disciples. He had the Pharisees, the scribes coming at him at every turn. He was now performing miracles. A lot of people were just coming out to see, but they still didn't believe that he was the king of kings and lord of lords. So he said, listen, behold, that is to see, see this in your mind. The Lord wanted the people to see in their minds what he was trying to convey. Because you see, that's what Satan attacks first is our mind. He wants to have control of your mind. He wants to have control of my mind. In the garden with Eve, he didn't attack her heart. He attacked her mind. He gets control of our minds and then our minds control our actions. And then that's how we commit sins in our lives. But Jesus said, behold, a sower went out to sow. And it happened as he sowed that some seed fell by the wayside and the birds of the air came and devoured it. Some fell on stony ground where it did not have much earth. And immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched. And because it had no root, it withered away. And some seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no crop. But other seed fell on good ground and yielded a crop that sprang up, increased and produced. Some 30-fold, some 60, and some 100. And he said to them, he who has ears, let him hear. And I echo that same sentiment here today. If you have ears, <laughs> listen up here today to the word of the Lord. Now, remember that it says in verse 1, a great multitude was gathered to him and he sat in a boat and he talked. I wondered if we reversed the roles today and I sat down and you guys stand up. That's not going over too well, huh? <laughs> verse 10 says, but when he was alone, those around him with the 12 asked him about the parable. So evidently, many of the multitude had left. Either he dismissed them or they chose to leave. So now we're talking about a few. Who are the few? That is the question that is posed today. Who are the few? And these are the few. And he said to them, to you it has been given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. But to those who are outside, all things come in parables. And we see here the Lord Jesus 
repeating what he's echoing what was recorded in Isaiah the sixth chapter. Seeing they may see and not perceive, and hearing they may hear and not understand, lest they should turn and their sins be forgiven them. For hundreds and thousands of years, men, women, boys, and girls have been hard-headed to the word of God. So we see here being repeated what had been spoken by Isaiah. But the good thing about it is these few, and I always like to re, uh, refer to today's times in our message. What does this have to do with us? You see, there were four scenarios concerning the seed. One out of four was successful. One out of four fell on good ground. Is that the case today? Will it be one out of four that the word of God falls on good ground today? But the thing about it is God is love. And he always has his arms open to embrace us. Anyone can come to Jesus at any time. So even though those multitudes had went away and now there were just a few, the disciples and a few more who stuck around, who wanted to get close to Jesus, who wanted to really know the answer to this parable, it was still free to all. The Pharisees could still get saved. The scribes could still get saved because look what it says right there lest they should turn and their sins be forgiven them. So yeah, the parables would be, their eyes would be blinded, the multitudes. Their ears would be stopped up. But there was always God's grace. With Jesus now, that was his mercy. Jesus was planning to go to the cross and to shed his blood for the remission of man's sins. He was going to die for all, not peradventure for just the good, but for all that we might all have a right to the tree of life, lest they should turn and their sins be forgiven them. And now he goes into the explanation. And he said to them, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? So we see here a, a rebuke, a slight rebuke by the Lord to these chosen few. And he went on to say, the sower sows the word. The sower is the preacher. The sower is the teacher. The sower is the one who instructs others. Jesus in this instance was letting them know that he was the sower. The sower sows the word. And these are the one 
by the wayside where the word is sown. And when they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. And you know, as we look at this example, somebody may be in that state today that the soil is hard, that the seed today may just be dropping by the wayside. It's not coming into your mind. It's not penetrating your heart. But it's dropping by the wayside. You know, a person can come to church Sunday in and Sunday out and still the seed, the word of God can drop by the wayside. Comes immediately and takes away the word. That is, Satan, the fowl of the air, comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. And you know, over there in verse 3, a word that stuck out to me was devoured. In verse 3 it says, and the birds of the air came and devoured it. See, when we come in on Sunday and we just let the word just float over our head and we're thinking about dinner. On Super Bowl Sunday, we're thinking about the Super Bowl. NCAA championship game, we're thinking about the game afterwards, what we're going to prepare for the meal. And we hear that term devour, and let's look at 1 Peter 5 and 8. 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8. That's why it's so important that we don't let Satan take control of our minds. 1 Peter 5 and 8 says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. The lion is walking around here today, he may be, because you see, Satan comes to church. Don't get, it, don't get it mixed up. Satan and his demons come to church, and they're watching to see if the word is dropping by the wayside with somebody. Because they'll come and snatch it up. Why? Because he wants to destroy you. And if he knows that the word is not in your heart, the incorruptible word of God, the incorruptible seed, which lives and abides forever, he knows that he can destroy you. You know, if you watch a lion on some of those wilderness shows, he just kind of sits back and he'll watch a pack of different animals come by or whatever, and he looks to see who's weak, who may be sickly, who may be feeble. And the same way it is spiritually, he's looking around here today to see who's weak spiritually, who's not nourished on God's word. 
But look what else it says in verse 9. Resist him. Put up a fight. Steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. Sometimes in life you're up and sometimes you're down. We all have tough times in life. But realize that you have brothers and sisters in the Lord who go through the same trials and tribulations that you do. But hold on to God's unchanging hand. Hold on to his word. But may the God of all grace who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. But once again, it's all about the mind. If you now, if you'll go to 2 Corinthians, the 10th chapter. 2 Corinthians. The 10th chapter, and we want to look at verse 3. 2 Corinthians 10 and verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Satan through philosophy and through the thoughts of your flesh will set up strongholds in your mind. A lot of times we go for years with our own tradition, our own way of doing things. Even if it's in opposition to God's word, we declare that's just who I am. That's just how I go about doing things. That's a stronghold of Satan. Casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity. We have to bring our thoughts into captivity to the obedience of Christ. That's where our victory is in being obedient in Christ and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. And now we go back to the parable. Mark, the fourth chapter. And then likewise, we've seen the first example of the word being sown by the wayside, a hard surface, the word not penetrating, just going right on by. Likewise are the ones sown on stony ground who when they hear the word immediately receive it with gladness. And they have no root in themselves and so endure only for a time. There's no death. A person is quick to receive and shout hallelujah. But oh, afterwards, 
when tribulation and persecution or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. See, we got to have some earth. If you go back in chapter 4, here in Mark, verse 5, and some fell on stony ground. Jesus said, where it did not have much earth. We got to have much earth. We got to have faith, love, compassion, praying in belief, forgiveness. And that's when the word begins to take root. You have depth in your walk of faith. Now these, it goes on to say, Jesus said, are the ones sown among thorns. They are the ones who hear the word and the cares of the word, of the world, the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things entering in choke the word. I want to back up and go to Matthew 5. Matthew, the fifth chapter. Verses 10 and 11 in the Beatitudes. Jesus said, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So before we even begin to look at the deceitfulness of riches, we want to see and talk just a little bit about persecution, because a lot of times we get upset if people just talk about us. <laughs> Let's remember the persecution that they went through. Jesus was getting the disciples ready for what lay ahead for them. Most of them would lose their lives for the gospel's sake. We are to present our bodies as a living sacrifice unto the Lord. There will be persecution in our lives. But back to verse 18, now these are the ones sung among thorns. The deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things entering in choke the word. We believe. We come to church. We go to Bible study. We study. We pray then you're just out there in the world and the world just keeps coming on you. The thorns begin to sprout and begin to grow around you. Paul said, conform yourselves not to this world, but transform yourselves by the renewing of your mind. We continually have to renew our mind through the word of God. We see that the love of money 
Not money itself, but the love of money is the root of all evil. And we cannot serve God and mammon both. We have to choose which one we're going to serve, whether it's riches and wealth or the Lord. We'll prefer one over the other. Which one do you prefer? As the desires in your life, the desires in your flesh rise up, they will choke the word. It says, and the desires for other things entering in choke the word and it becomes unfruitful who are the few that's how we can tell if we are of the few if our lives are fruitful he is the vine and we are the branches and we bring forth good fruit. Is your life fruitful? Is it bringing forth love, joy, gentleness, goodness, temperance? Is it bringing forth the fruit of the Spirit? The Bible says, let a man examine himself. We all have to examine ourselves. That these are the ones on good ground, verse 20. Those who hear the word, accept it, and bear fruit. See, when we hear the word, we have to accept it, understand it. Are we understanding God's word today? That we are not just supposed to be readers and hearers of his word? but doers. James said, if we are hearers only, we deceive ourselves. So if we just hear the word and don't apply it to our lives, we are deceiving ourselves. A person can go a whole lifetime and live in deception, but his grace is sufficient for thee. My wife told me about uh, a week or so ago about a gentleman who received the Lord Jesus and he was over 90 years old. He had been adamant in his unbelief, but then he received the Lord before he died. It is never too late. His word goes forth and it does not come back void. You know, what I realized about this in, in this parable of the sower, and I advise you, I encourage you to go back and read it and just look at it. And man, I'm just learning that we are to get wisdom from God's word. Jesus is trying to give us wisdom here today. He was trying to give wisdom to those who were sitting around him, the multitudes, and then when they left, those who stuck around. Because 1 Corinthians, the first chapter and the 24th verse says that Jesus is the power and wisdom 
of God. Jesus is wisdom. I don't know about you, but I'm trying to get wisdom from God's word. The wisdom is, is that he is our savior. That he hung and bled and died upon the cross. And that every time that we partake of this communion, we do this in remembrance of him and his great sacrifice. That his body was broken for us. That he shed his blood for the forgiveness of our sins. Who are the few? But let us look at wisdom. If we would, let's go to Proverbs. Proverbs, the eighth chapter. Proverbs, the eighth chapter. It's so important for us to know that Jesus is wisdom. He is the power of God. Proverbs, the eighth chapter. In verse 23. Well, back up to verse 22. And this is wisdom. The Lord possessed me at the beginning of his way, before his works of old. Wisdom was there. I have been established from everlasting, from the beginning, before there was ever an earth. When there were no depths, I was brought forth. There were no fountains abounding with water. Before the mountains were settled, before the hills, I was brought forth. Let's go over to verse 32. Now, therefore, still this is wisdom. Now, therefore, listen to me, my children. For blessed are those who keep my ways. Hear instruction and be wise, and do not disdain it. Blessed is the man who listens to me, watching daily at my gates, waiting at the posts of my doors. For whoever finds me finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. But he who sins against me wrongs his own soul. All those who hate me love death. Wisdom is important. We are to glean wisdom from God's word. We are to glean wisdom from all of his parables. Wisdom shows us here in the closing verse of verse 20 of Mark, the fourth chapter. That good ground brings forth good fruit. Different quantities, but the same quality. But these are the ones sown on good ground. Those who hear the word accept it and bear fruit. Some 30-fold, some 60, some 100. It's all good quality. Different quantities. You may bring forth more than me and I may bring forth more than you, but it all comes from the same source because we are branches connected to the vine. 
And as we get ready to close out this message, I was able to see myself in all four of those scenarios. Different stages in my life, I was in each one of those four scenarios. What about you? What state are you in? Is the seed falling by the wayside? Is it falling on stony ground? And when times get hard, does it wither away? Does your faith get weak and you stop coming to hear the word? You stop going to church when you become persecuted in the name of the Lord? Are you in that stage when the thorns of the world, the cares of riches and deceitfulness of riches, is it choking the word in you? And you deem that it's more important to go to work on Sunday each week than to talk to your supervisor or manager about adjusting your schedule? Or is it falling on good ground? And that the word, when it falls on you, it has room to grow and develop a sound and a strong root system. That within the soil of you that there is repentance. All of us need to repent of our sins. All of us, we're too proud sometimes. And as I point a finger, the thumb is coming right back at me. So it's you, me, everybody in here, we need to repent. To forgive seven times 70. Just keep on forgiving one another. To be full of love, compassion, all of these things. See yourself in these different four scenarios and pray to God to get you in that fourth scenario. That every time you sit under God's word, that it's falling on good ground that you're attentive, that you're humble when you come before the Lord. At this time now, we'll close the message. And as the praise team comes forward with a selection, as it is the custom here each week, there'll be volunteers here for, to assist you in a time of prayer, to write down prayer requests, to partake of the Lord's Supper. And as we partake of the Lord's Supper, if anyone does at this time, let us really truly focus on what it is that he's done so much for each and every one of us that all of us were bought with a price when he hung upon the cross at Calvary. And he hung right there, could have called on the legions of angels, and he declared, it is finished.